Hello, this is Christian Bush, and welcome to episode 11 of my podcast, Geeking Out. Every episode, I invite a new person to talk about one thing that they're obsessed with that has nothing to do with their job. The only requirement is that they're totally geeking out on it, and they want to talk about it. From eyelid glitter stickers to homemade camp stools, from collecting classic hula girl lamps to do-it-yourself car painting, from made-at-home soda flavors to Alaskan bear tracking, tell me about what you love, why you love it, how you got into it, and what makes it awesome. Each episode is presented in three chapters. In chapter one, my guest and I will have a conversation about their passion. In chapter two, we play a game I call Trajan, where my guest and I turn each other on to something cool we've recently discovered. And in chapter three, I close the show by talking about music that I am currently geeked out on and why. I believe that curiosity is contagious and that life is better with a soundtrack. So let the geeking begin. Chapter one. Today's guest is Amy Mariello. Amy is a singer-songwriter who recently relocated to Nashville and is currently touring with my band Sugarland as a background singer. In addition to working as a touring singer with acts like In Excess, Gavin DeGraw, and Nick Lachey, she's also an accomplished solo artist and songwriter for television and movies. With the Sugarland tour underway, I took the opportunity to sit down and get to know Amy and her dark curiosities. Amy Mariello, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. So happy to be here, Christian. I am. Uh, I'm excited that you're here. And would you explain to everybody first of all where we are? Okay. And 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 who you are, like like your your name and and your job. Okay. Um, we are in Anaheim, uh, which is in California. California. Yep. And we are on the Sugarland, still the same tour. We're on your tour bus, and I am your backup singer. Yes. Slash tambourine slash triangle slash shake master. Are you, are, you, are you playing a triangle no, and I but, don't know uh, it? No, I threw that in. <laughs> like That's just a, a dream of mine. <laughs> Dreams come true here in Germany. Well, I shouldn't have said it because now I feel like there's going to be a triangle in my station. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you do for a living? Like what, what, what is your I am vocation? Um, I'm a singer-songwriter. So I write songs um, for TV and film mostly, which is called sync writing. Um, and sometimes I'm successful at it and sometimes I make bougie drinks for rich people. <laughs> <laughs> how, how long have you been doing that? Um, I've been singing since I could talk, uh, and I've been professionally in the industry since I was about 18. So the this podcast has nothing to do with that. Good. This podcast is about, um, essentially, one. it has one rule, and the rule is, uh, I want you to talk about something that you are totally obsessed with, totally geeking out on, that has nothing to do with your job. Okay. Right? All right, so what is it that you are obsessed with? What are you geeking out on right now? Um, I'm obsessed with crime. I'm obsessed with serial killers, crime TV, more real real stuff. So not not as much the scripted shit, although I do love a good SVU. Um, <laughs> but I love true crime. The ID channel, um, you know, forensic files, 48 hours, Dateline. Like, I'm just, when I'm not singing for you, man, I am solving crimes. This is amazing. (laughs) 
I'm collecting evidence on stage and just now. Seeing. Do you think that you fall more on the um, the side of solving the crime or committing the crime? Like, what's more fascinating to you? That's interesting. I think that the psychology behind what it would take to commit a crime. So, for instance, like we're all deep down like a little bit psychotic. Everybody has that, especially musicians. <laughs> I'm looking in your eyes and I'm like, you're a f-ing psycho. Um, no, but <laughs> but we all have that part of us where like something happens and you're like, what would it be like to like like I hate this person so much. But think about the person that maybe maybe it's not even because of hate or but it's just because they enjoy it but is willing to take that next step and actually kill someone that's a whole nother game so i just feel like i'm obsessed with that like the psychology behind what what makes you snap um and then i'm also really intrigued by forensics and like the ability to make you know there's really almost no crime that's untraceable at this point so we're really like we're smart people now. We can, you know. I mean, I feel like there's a couple ways I can think of to hide a body, but other than that, <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, I have so many questions. When when did this start for you? When did this start come coming on as an obsession? Definitely, I've, I was always a really morbid child. So I remember, like, it probably was like my early teens. This angsty, morbid phase, and even before that, where I would. I would come down with my guitar and they'd be like, oh, she's going to sing us a really cute little pretty song. And I'd be like, I want to kill everyone. (laughs) And they'd be like, wow. I remember my aunt saying, wow, you're so expressive. Because it was just, I was obsessed. And I would ask, you know, lots of questions about death. And um, I would always want to watch scary movies. And my brothers and my family, my parents weren't really into it. So I was kind of just the only one that was really into it. You My would, mother will watch crime with me, but she'll mostly fall asleep. So, <laughs> do you I'm do this alone? alone? This. Do you watch these things alone? Oh, Christian, you don't understand. Like this is a real sick thing. Like I listen to death podcasts, like serial killer stories, as I'm going to sleep in my bunk on the bus, scaring the shit out of myself. I once woke up to an exorcism being performed and I had my in-ears on. So it was like inside my ears and a woman was screaming bloody murder because they were doing an exorcism and that's what woke me up. So Holy smokes. Yeah, and I'm like, why can't I sleep? I don't understand. So this is way beyond like a Tim Burton movie. This is like, you're, this is like you're I need deep help. In. Yeah, like I need help. <laughs> this is, I'm actually okay. yeah, asking you for help right now. <laughs> um, well, then let's dive in. Uh, <laughs> I, I assume that you have never killed a person. Never killed have a person. Have you known anyone who's killed a person? No. I know someone who was killed. That was pretty brutal. Um, but like, I think I've like pulled someone's hair once. Like that's like, that was like when I was drunk in Hollywood. I think I like pulled a girl's, <laughs> I got in a bar fight and pulled a chick's hair and then I got my hair pulled. That's a, that's the extent of my violence. But um, But I'm just really intrigued. And what I found is that just like any other obsession, like it keeps getting more screwed up. So like at this point, if it's just someone getting shot up in a CVS, I'm not interested. I need someone like someone's severed head, you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> like I can't, I can't even be bothered with normal crimes anymore. So at what point do you start to become interested? Okay. Uh, premeditated. 
Okay. I'm only interested in premeditated crime. So lots of forethought, lots of planning. Um, I'm interested in crimes of passion, um, interested in uh, serial crime, so someone doing the same thing over and over and not getting caught. Like right now, my obsession is truck stop crime. Tell me more. So, um, okay, so the the truck driving, bus driving industry, which is calming because we're you know we're we're on a bus right now. We're on we're, a tour we're bus among, right now. We're among tons of drivers, but uh, there's there's just this whole thing about truck stops and. Um, and working women, prostitutes, and lots of working women are being killed on truck and bus routes. So because they're constantly on the move, it's insanely hard to really trace when someone was where. And a lot of these prostitutes are, um, you know, unfortunately overlooked by society. They're not in the books. They're not, they're not, you know, they haven't paid their taxes. They're not, so they're, they're kind of like, they just disappear and nobody ever looks into it until some, every once in a while a family gives a shit and is like, where's my daughter? And then we find out she's been gone for like 10 years and she's in like a river somewhere. So there's lots of these truck stop, truck route killings. And I'm oh, really wow. interested in Where it. do you find out about this? Uh, I saw. I started watching some kind of documentary on Netflix, and then I started looking into it myself on the internet, and looking on um, on all these sites and finding out all these like unsolved crimes. So are you women di- that just disappear? This is amazing. Okay, um, help listeners with this. How, how do you get started into this obsession? If you had to give someone. Um, a quick primer on maybe a couple of shows to watch yeah. or a couple of documentaries or books to read. Yeah. What, what, how would you point someone who was listening to this and goes, man, like I'm I think into I this. secretly have this too. Yeah. Like yeah. What's, what's level one? I think level one is, you know, Dateline NBC. Um, and like I really love certain uh, journalists slash hosts like Keith Morrison. I love like people's voices if if a voice intrigues me. So I would go I would go to the ID channel and watch some of the less kind of campy shows, but there's a few that are really good. I would go on um on a podcast and I would listen to Serial, which mm-hmm. is everyone's favorite, but it's a really good starting point because the way they do it really involves you in in you know, solving the crime, and they actually don't solve it completely. Um, but it kind of gets you into that, you know. And then I would go to maybe S Town, and then start on some, you know, just forty eight hours, which is constant. They're like forty minutes, and you can listen to them. And a lot of them are unsolved. Okay, what's level two? Level two, maybe I would go into forensics, and I would go to like forensic files and start looking at like what traces people do leave and like right here there's evidence everywhere tell me about what evidence is right here all right so you know our fingerprints are everywhere um your jeans are ripped so there's probably fibers that would come off say if you attacked me right now there'd probably be fibers from your (laughs) jeans that would come off okay you know i'd scratch you there'd be skin under my nail there was a bus driver i talked to that i asked you know where which one your bus was 
He would know you came here. Um, he would know what time I came here around. This is assuming that I would be the perpetrator. Yeah, you're the it's psycho. not you. Yeah, you're- <laughs> you would be killing me, which no. might be a little more no. possible in this imagination. Yeah, totally, totally. No, and we just you'd look at the timeline and just it's it's simple stuff, but there's just everything you do leaves a trace unless you're crazy and you intentionally wear gloves or cut off the tops of your fingers. When do you feel like you're across the line? Like, do you have a line magically in your mind that if you go across it, that is too far into true crime obsession? Yeah, I think maybe if I was to like actively go and find, I think that the people, I don't want to look down on anyone, but I think the women that are like desperately in touch with these serial killers in jail and like have formed these obsessions with them, because a lot of murderers get married while they're in jail because women. Um, become obsessed with the crimes, become obsessed with the man connected to the crime, and they write these letters, and these guys are in jail, and they're bored and horny and lonely, and they end up having these relationships, and I think that's a little bit silly and and desperate. This is a whole thing I've never even heard of. of. Okay, so lots of um, people in jail, you know, have fans. There are, like, tons of fans. Like, Charlie Manson had tons of fans. Ted Bundy, tons of fans. Green River Killer, like they're just these people that like women that are like he's a bad boy, but I'm gonna change him. <laughs> so, <laughs> okay, yeah, I, I assume that. So, what you're saying is the line is you would never write one of those. The letters. line is I would never actually come into. I mean, I'm totally lying. If someone said like you would, you could interview a serial killer, I'd be there in a heartbeat. But I wouldn't be there because I wanted to like bond. I'd be there because I wanted to like get the inner workings of their of their brain. Would you enroll in some sort of like... Like school? School? I've just never been a fan of school. But I think as I get older, I'm more interested in, in learning. Like I never cared about learning. I was like, I'm a singer and I'm going to be a star. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it, now, you know, I probably would just because it's, it's cool to have other stuff going on. And obviously I'm interested, as you can see. Would you... Uh, uh, it seems like because you're a creative person, I'm I'm just making a suggestion. But would you consider writing a story about like all of the like you now know how these killers work? You now yeah. how like you think you would be good at at guiding a, a, a listener or a or a, a reader? Well, I actually thought a lot about and maybe you could help me with this about writing a serial killer record where the songs were all based on different different. Um, crimes. I already wrote a song called Land and Sea that's, that I put out a while ago that's a, based on a, a murder. And it's one of my favorite songs I've ever written. But I thought about doing a whole record of that Mur- kind of murder stuff. Murder ballads. Murder ballads. <sighs> okay. Yeah. Okay, I accept. Okay. Let's do it. <laughs> let's do it. You, you know, you said it and you said it on record, no, honey. That's a great place to stop. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Chapter 2. In every episode of Geeking Out, I see if I can trade one thing I've discovered recently with one thing that my guest has discovered. Anything is admissible in this friendly exchange I call Trade You. All right, this is uh, the part of the podcast that I call Trade You. Um, it's just very simply something I'm into or something I've discovered or something I'm around that I trade you one thing and you trade me in exchange something else. And I'll go first. Okay. 
Okay. So that you can kind of get the idea and you'll probably be thinking about whatever it is you want to yeah, train I'm me. Think, I'm thinking right now. Um, I would say this. I don't know anything about um, uh, women's uh, makeup or like I, I never had a sister. My mom oh. was not that kind of person. Like I have a, my daughter turns 13 like in a week and I still don't know even what to feed her, you know? Okay. Oh my God. <laughs> like, there's I just totally... a complete blink in there. And but, I like them. I love makeup so uh, much. Uh, so, well, here's something that I have learned okay. by osmosis that there is a product that seems to kick the butt of all other products for one particular thing. And um, I guess, and I, I'm making a lot of this up in my mind as I observe my daughter and I observe mm-hmm. the other people around me, but um, there's a thing about eyelashes. Uh, apparently, they're very important. Um, my brother and I, Brandon and I, both have like extremely weird, like alienly long eyelashes. So, I, this and is why I, the we world have blonde hair, so you don't really see it. Mm-hmm. But there's an occasional moment where, at some drunk time, some girls put mascara or oh, whatever then, it is on my yeah. eyelashes, and, and you look suddenly like a princess. I, I look like a princess. Yeah, and. Um, <laughs> And then they, then they, then they start going. I would kill for your eyelashes, yes, right? Yes. And I had no idea this was such a big deal until I started seeing people like stick on, like oh, yeah. paste on eyelashes. What and do then, you think I wear for the shows? I and, have fake eyelashes. And then, for the then, shows. then I saw they're like magnetic. Oh, like you can get magnets that that go on your eyes, right? I don't even know if they work, but there is a natural way. Well, we sell call it natural is, is what I've heard, but I have heard of a product that absolutely works hands down, no matter what. And it's uh, it's called Lash Boost, Ooh. right? It's Rodan and Fields, which is one of these like oh, these I've pyramid heard this. schemes, I right? I want this. I want this. And I, I think you would love this because I have I've seen some people do it, and um, it literally does. I think you apply it. Wait, at what night. is it? It's Ro- Ro- Rodan and Fields, and it's called Lash Boost. And I think you do know I'm buying it. I'm like, I'm literally <laughs> and, uh, buying it right I- now. <laughs> I think that um, I, the the stories that I've heard, and, and this is just me being like creepy overhearing other people, yeah. much like maybe in true crime. You know, I'm <laughs> you just aware of things that are so going creepy, on in yeah. the room. And, and, and then I even asked the other day, I was like, what exactly are you talking about again? And somebody explained it to me and I was like, okay. And they were just, they were just chitty chatting away at how yeah. important this is and, and how long their eyelashes have gotten and in a very short time like within three weeks or something you see a huge difference so that's my that's my trade for you is Rodan and Fields Lash Boost oh my god this is amazing does that wait oh okay I got one okay go do you have any problems with sleep yeah I do okay so I've done like I'm a part of being a crazy person is that I don't sleep naturally at all so um i've been listening to this weird yogi kind of uh podcast yogi thing called yoga nigra or yoga nidra or yoga Yoga nidra and it's a relaxation type of yoga right you already know no i don't basically takes you down your whole body and he's like focus on your left toe Focus on your middle toe. Focus. And you're like, oh, he's going to like skip things. He's like, no. (laughs) Focus on your inner ankle. Focus on your inner thigh. And he goes through everything till you're so goddamn bored you fall asleep. Is that how it works? I think so because I got so pissed after a couple minutes of it. I was like, ugh. 
We haven't even gotten to the left side of my body and I'm brutally bored. So then I just decided to sleep during it and it worked. I need you to send this to me because okay. I do. I'll send you a link. I, I, am, I am sleep challenged. Me too. I'm one of those people who, uh, as a kid, stayed up later and later and later just to see if I could. Me too. And then it flips me over. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, I'm so immune to anything substance-wise because at this point, my liver's a distillery. <laughs> and I've taken every single thing to knock myself out. So I could take the equivalent of what like a horse would take to go to sleep. And my body's like, sorry. So I need to do all these weird, all this weird shit to just try to rest. And this kind of worked just purely out of boredom. That's amazing. I found my inner yogi out of pure boredom. Okay, now it's, it's uh, say it again. What, it's what's the name of it? Yoga Nidra, I think. And is this a, a podcast? I just, I Googled it and then I found the podcast and I just, it's, I don't even know if it's a podcast or it's just like a two hour YouTube thing. And you just put it on, and then it's it works. It bores you to sleep. Oh, that's awesome! Will you send it to me? Yeah, right. I'll send you the link right now. Well, Amy, thank you for being here. Hey, thanks for having me. Uh, you're a fantastic guest, and please don't premeditate killing me. I won't. I won't. As long as you give me something to do during Little Miss. <laughs> <laughs> okay, game on. All right. <laughs> Chapter three, me geeking out on music. Song making, the process of how we make the donuts. Taking inspiration from this week's guest, I thought I might take a stab at writing a murder ballad. It's more common than you think for a songwriter to be asked to write a song about a specific event or situation. It's an ask that's made from movie directors, TV producers, advertising agencies, and in my world, occasionally from a playwright. Even in the writing rooms, when we're making music for the radio, many times we start with a story and write the emotions surrounding it. If you can see the scene and the relationship between the characters, the song and melody are easier to imagine. I thought I might give you a glimpse into what it takes to write a song on demand. My most recent experience with this is writing the music to the musical Troubadour. My partner, Janice Schaefer, created a world where the characters that she imagined had written their own country hits. And these songs had to be created between the years of 1935 and 1951. And I had no idea what those songs needed to sound like or even what kind of words or rhymes were popular at the time. So I went to the internet to go exploring and followed some pretty specific steps to bring those songs to life. That process that I used is the one that I'll use here to attempt my first murder ballad. Hang on, here we go. Step one, do your homework. So I went in search of the definition and history of the murder ballad, and here's what I found. So it's a function of art to render unspeakable truths into metaphors. Murder ballads were intended to tell the news before there were newspapers. They typically recount the details of a mythic or true crime, who the victim is, why the murderer decides to kill him or her, how the victim is lured to the murder site, and then the act itself. Followed by the escape and or capture of the murderer, often the ballad ends with the murderer in jail or on their way to execution. Seems intense, right? Okay, step two. (laughs) 
get inspired. So I went looking for some examples. The one that comes to mind immediately for me is an old Appalachian folk song they called Knoxville Girl. I grew up near Knoxville, so I was always fascinated by the title. Uh, Here's the band BR549 singing this dark story. I met a little girl in Knoxville, a town we all know well. And every Sunday evening out in her home I dwell. Man, I love the haunting sounds and deadpan delivery. See what I did there? <laughs> okay, uh, here's Johnny Cash singing Delia's Gone. Delia, oh Delia, Delia all my life. If I hadn't shot poor Delia, I'd have had her for my wife. Delia's gone, one more round, Delia's gone. It seems that his simple explanation gives the narrator some sort of numb, removed vantage point to tell the story. Now a little twist. Here's Dolly Parton telling the story of a frustrated marriage proposal that ended in death. I started home I started home Twixt twelve and one I cried my God What have I done? Okay, I'm going to try one more. Maybe something more traditional in case I'm missing something just listening to American artists. Wondering if there's some other piece to the songwriting puzzle that comes from maybe the European tradition. She walks these hills in a long black veil. She visits my grave when the night winds wave. Nobody knows love. Nobody sees. Nobody knows but me. Step three, build a picture. Okay, so I dove into the strangest part of the Ted Bundy story. Some of this is internet speculation. Some seems true. But in either case, it all seems like great soil for a song to be planted. It turns out Ted Bundy had a daughter. Here are the facts that seem crazy, but true. Apparently, Carol Ann met Ted Bundy in the audience of one of his trials. Rumor is she believed that he didn't do it. He later proposed to her while he was in the courtroom representing himself, and she was his witness. Even though it was banned, there are speculations that they had a conjugal visit and that Carol Ann got pregnant. The only other thing I noticed in some weird corner of the web was the fact that the mother never brought the daughter to meet her father. Now, if this isn't a ripe story for a haunting, I don't know what is. Step four, find a voice. 
I'm now kind of convinced that the most fun thing to imagine would be, what if the daughter was writing a song about her mother and father? I wonder if she thinks about who made her and wonders if she herself is predisposed to killing. I started to imagine what kind of life must it be to grow up knowing that part of your DNA has serial Step five, make it structured and also make it fit the research. So here goes. I sat and wrote some lyrics and I looked at where it led me. Try not to overthink it. Make sure to leave some room for a mystery. I also kind of hid the Ted Bundy reference by using what was probably his given name rather than his nickname, Ted. But I used the wife's real name. All right, enjoy. Daddy's name was Edward, Mama's name was Caroline. And while he was on trial for killing, he asked for her hand. If he ever thought of hurting her, I guess I'll never know. I was conceived in a railroad prison while he was on death row. Yeah, daddy was a killer, maybe I'm a killer too. His blood runs red inside my head, I don't know what I'd do if I I hope you enjoyed this episode of Geeking Out, and we are all hard at work here on the next one. Are you obsessed with something amazing? Want to tell us about it? Write to us at geekingoutwithkb at gmail.com, and you might be a guest on an upcoming episode. Come find out more about me and this podcast at christianbush.com. Christian with a K. Follow me at Christian Bush on Twitter, Christian Bush on Instagram, Christian Bush on Facebook, and Christian M. Bush on Snapchat. Thanks to Bobby Bones for the opportunity to build this podcast, Brandon Bush for the editing and the soundtrack, Tom Tapley for the audio wizardry, and Whitney Pastrick for being a great producer and making this whole thing possible. This is Christian Bush geeking out. Thank you for listening.